The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. No one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you shall eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds in the sky. They do not sow or reap. They gather nothing into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are not you more important than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single moment to your lifespan? Why are you anxious about clothes? Learn from the way the wildflowers grow. They do not work or spin, but I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was clothed like one of them. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which grows today and is thrown into the oven tomorrow, will he not much more provide for you, O oh, you of little faith? So do not worry and say, What are we to eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what are we to wear? All these things the pagans seek. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be given you besides. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Sufficient for a day is its own evil. This is Radio Wave Medjinomics with your host, a friend of Medjugorje. Uh, this show is being pre-taped uh, several days before uh, the normal Thursday Medjinomics show. A friend of Medjugorje uh, for the last two years has been invited to speak uh, in France and throughout France. And so this week uh, he's traveling throughout uh, four different places in France, uh, speaking at uh, different locations there about Our Lady and her messages. Um, he spoke there in France uh, about ten years ago, a little over ten years ago. Um, and planted many, many seeds from Our Lady's messages, and the hunger for those messages and for that direction ha has grown exponentially since then. And so uh, throughout this week here, a friend of Medjugorje will be speaking throughout different places in France, and so this show is being pre-taped uh, about four days before the normal Thursday Medjugorje show. And so now your host, a friend of Medjugorje. There's a new study out showing that those people who are the most hopeful those people who are the least depressed are people who on Sundays go to church. What does that tell you? What does it tell us? What does it tell the world? Why do we think that's the case? 
Or actually, we don't think it's the case. It's a study. It shows this. It's proven. There's not a whole lot of reason for hope today. It's amazing how people are waiting for everything to recover. That's all you'll read about. That's all that's being said. These are statistics, and we're showing an economic decline, or, or rather an incline, or uh, we're look, everybody's waiting for the next reports to come out showing the next statistics, what unemployment is, jobs up, housing sales down, whatever it may be. This anticipation reveals something about the human spirit and that he's anticipating recovery. Recovery to what? The world is under judgment. It's an easy conclusion. If you go to church, you know that. But with that judgment and Our Lady coming, she, she comes to the world in great moments of trial. And she is our, our hope. She is our future. So I would say there's a study out that we can conclude by God through Our Lady who's coming and saying, Jesus is your future. Another time, Jesus, without Jesus, you have no future. What does that tell us? It tells us to have hope in Jesus. If we don't have hope in him, we have no future. Why? Because the world is under judgment. This judgment is not a joke. It's real. That vitality that's happening in the economic circumstances and everything, what people are losing, and how we're even being sustained to this point is by God's grace. He's allowing us time to be shook up, shaken up to change directions. Our Lady's words, change the direction of your life. God wants us to be ready. Our Lady tells us, be ready. You think these are just options? Do you want to take it with the attitude where people say, well, even if the Medjugorje is approved, it's not, we don't have to believe in it. The church teaches that it's not required for salvation. It's just worthy of belief. You don't know what's happening. You quote that, get away from me, you Satan. You say, oh, you're saying that against the church? No, I'm saying the church gives the minimal. And when there's prophetic times, look at those prophetic things that's been said and act now on them for your future. If the church says you don't have to believe in apparitions after approve, it's just saying it's because of for salvation and it's just approval, then we can also reject our lady saying fast every Wednesday and Friday because the church only requires us to fast two times a year. And the minimal is so minimal that it doesn't even define two small meals and one large meal, regular meal. I'm not saying that against the church. I'm saying the church gives minimum, below minimum requirements. If our lady's coming and saying, I want you to fast on Wednesday and Fridays. I want you to do nine days of renunciation like the nine-day bread and water fast we just did. I want penance. I want these things. It's because revival and when we're under judgment cannot happen, will not happen, and impossibility that it's going to happen without contrition. Revival always begins with the tears of repentance. And if we're not going to do that, don't expect to get the right information 
interpret it in the right way. You won't understand what the church teaches that approval of an apparition does not require for salvation. It's not saying then you don't pay attention to it. And people use this and bring this point up so that they can pass it off because they don't want to fast or they don't like what's been said or they're not interested or they're hoping that God is in the recovery of this economy, which has judgment under it. You have spiritual authority. God expects us to exercise the spiritual authority over the world. Jesus came as man so that through man he would have authority. So people could say, oh yeah, the Messiah came, but that's God. Now he was in the framework. He was in the structure. He was in the daily walk. He was in the, the temple exercising authority. Our Lady is teaching us through her messages what, how, when to act, what to say, that we can change the world, exercise an authority over it. You have dominion. It's been given to you, not to the pagan to act. Why are we letting them over us? Because we're no different. If we separate ourselves from that behavior, we look with wisdom and see this judgment that's being cast now then we'll have sway over the culture. But this culture doesn't want God. This culture won't accept God. This culture, in fact, rejects God. It rejects Our Lady in her way. So why stay attached to it? Why seek its recovery? Yay, it's going to fall. Clap for that. Rejoice over that. It's Our Lady who says March 21st, 1985. I wish to keep on giving you messages, and therefore today I call you to live and accept my message. That's your plan for you. It's not your plan for God. It's God said in her, here's the plan, accept my messages. Why? Therefore I call you, accept me, dear children, that it might go well for you. That it might go means something's going to be traveling towards you. Or when you meet that point, appointment in destiny in the near future, and even a somewhat distant future, when you're going toward that, that it might go well for you. doesn't mean it's going to. It might. That it might go well for you. Because nothing's going to be perfect. Accepting a message don't mean everything's going to be perfect. But Our Lady can't say that it might go well for you. What? If you accept our messages, means there's something bleak. There's something coming. And if you step out of that, if you exercise the authority that she gives you by living the messages, living her way of life, it will help you. Help you to live in a new culture. Help you to recognize what the new culture is to bring it forth and sow those seeds to plant it. You're the seeds for the future. Our Lady wants it to go well for you. It's not a doom and gloom message. It's a doom and gloom message for what's under judgment. What's under judgment? Everything that's not guided within the message. If the message doesn't fit it, get away from it. Abandon it. Go away from these things. And so it is. We have metagenomics because a lot of what we do Spiritually, an exercise of spiritual authority will affect physical. Look at the Renaissance. Look at the look at the Vatican. Look at Saint Peter's. You think they just came up? Let's let's have a show of what we might look like. 
in our spiritual life. It's a manifestation of what was in them, of the beauty of God. came out in artwork. Our artwork today is a manifestation of Satan in hell. Modern art is that. It's what's in the heart. It just manifests itself out. Try this thought experiment. Arriving home tonight, you find a large duffel bag filled with countless hundred-dollar bills. Suspecting that you are becoming unwittingly involved in a drug transaction, you nervously grab the bag and dart into your home, locking the door behind you. To your immense relief, you discover a little card with your name on it, which announces that the contents of the bag are a gift to you from the Gore for President campaign. After your trembling fingers have counted out a million dollars, you sit back to contemplate how your life will change. Debts can now be paid off, a few little luxuries of which you have dreamed can be purchased, and your newly enlarged savings account will certainly put a spring in your step. You are feeling pretty good as you go to sleep. Next morning dawns, and your first instinct is to call your best friend to share your good news. Before you can start telling him about the exciting event, your friend bursts into an irrepressible account of how he received a million dollars from the Gore for President campaign. Admit it. Aren't you just the tiniest bit disappointed? Getting off the phone, you call your dear Aunt Agatha. Perhaps she will be excited by your wonderful news. It turns out that she, too, was a beneficiary of the campaign. She also is now $1 million richer than she was yesterday. The dreadful truth is beginning to dawn on you. Last night, every single American received a duffel bag filled with a million dollars of newly minted $100 bills. Now you are not nearly as excited as you were when you thought yours was the only bank account that had been increased by a million dollars. This is because to humans, wealth is comparative. Wealth means having more than those around you. Knowing that you own far more than a Bangladeshi peasant could even dream of does not make you feel rich. Having a million dollars more than your friends and acquaintances makes you feel very rich indeed. Being given a million dollars along with every one of your fellow citizens fails to make you feel rich because when all is said and done, your buying power will be just what it was before the grand gift. The marketplace will quickly compensate for all those unearned dollars floating around as prices rise to match the extra few trillion dollars of paper promises. Yesterday, you could buy a new car for $25,000. Today, it may cost you $300,000. If everyone's a millionaire, yesterday's $75 grocery basket will simply increase to $800 tomorrow. It's not wealth if everyone else has it, too. Poor is also comparative. Looking over one shoulder and seeing people with a lot less than you makes you feel rich. Similarly, looking over your other shoulder and seeing many people with a lot more than you can make you feel poor. This is one reason most people tend to prefer living among other people with roughly the same quantity of material wealth. None of us enjoys feeling poor and living among people with a great deal more than we have. Similarly, living among friends who own a great deal less than we do makes us feel awkward and guilty. Again, when applied to human beings, rich and poor have no absolute or objective meaning. The word poor is comparative and means having a lot less than those around you. 
You may well have far more money than a Bangladeshi peasant, but if you have far less than your friends, neighbors, and relatives, you could feel rather poor. How then did the word poor enter our political vocabulary? Originally, from God's word, we became aware of an obligation toward those with less than we have. In cultures that have never been touched by the Judea Christian tradition, one encounters an almost eerie indifference on the part of those blessed toward those less fortunate. In Deuteronomy 15:4, God assures his people that if they follow his commands as a nation, there should be no poor among you. No more than seven verses later, in what appears to be a contradiction to the earlier assurance, we are told, there will always be poor people in the land. Religious tradition explains that by following God's guidance, each one of us can train ourselves to look only over the shoulder that makes us feel fortunate, blessed, and wealthy. In this way, there need be no poor among you. At the same time, however, nobody need fear that with all these grateful and blessed people around, he will be unable to find anyone on whom to bestow charity. Each of us should view himself as rich and voluntarily help others in genuine need. Those we help may also be wealthy compared to many others in our world, but as far as we are concerned, if they have a genuine need, they are worthy recipients of our generosity. Thus society becomes an exquisite tapestry of interlinked human elements, every one of which views himself as rich, while simultaneously seeking to help others who have less. This is what America used to look like. One of the great indictments of the changes that 35 years of secularism have inflicted upon us is that America's so-called poor pay few taxes and give little charity themselves. Secularism has converted an entire class of Americans into people who take but do not give. This class warfare being taught from the White House on through to this leftist, really liberal element. And I rarely say that on air because we, we won't convert, convert everybody. But it's just biblical truths. You can't have morals that you can do anything you want to. And that side mostly is this way, accepts these things. But they teach a, teach a class warfare to hate the rich. That some be rich is good that you might be. That some can build a house... And it stays secure. It's something that you should want for the person that does that, that yours when built can be built and saved and be insecure. Or rather, be secured. And so, Jesus never taught this. Lazarus was wealthy. People, Jesus deal with that. Nicodemus. You know, sold half of what he had. Pay off what his corruption is. Jesus teaches this. The wealth of somebody having it, there's no sin in that. Even if they are not generous with it. There's a whole lot more people that's poor that's not generous with what they have. It's all relative, just like if everybody have a million dollars or you don't. So the teachings is what's important, whatever state and condition or wealth you have. And poor really needs to be defined today because we've gone to the socialist justice that's entered the church teaching what people are poor who have no idea what poverty is. Poor and being poor is one who lacks what it takes to stay alive and live. That doesn't mean you have to have cable TV or even a car. 
So our poor people compared to kings a thousand years ago lived much better and much more in luxury. So what do we need to see? That's what we need to see. What's under judgment? We're an ungrateful people from the poor to the rich. All right, he's trying to get us to see the blessings in everything and see our hope in that. And so our lady wants us to be ready because of this judgment that comes up. This um, We've been getting more feedback from people who have questions. And this one comes from Oklahoma. I started reading It Ain't Gonna Happen last night and something wonderful happened. I was in bed and started reading. I placed my rosary by my head. It started having a wonderful scent of flowers. It was a very powerful smell, but not overpowering. I use my rosary often and try to say it several times a week. It has never had this scent before. I know this sounds strange, but it really happened. I have placed my retirement in the miraculous metal Medjugorje one-ounce silver rounds. We are also in the process of getting my husband's retirement out and do the same as well. I have talked to Frank, who has been wonderful. Now I'm looking for a place to buy and build a house. Now for my question. I live in Oklahoma, which was the exact place where the Trail of Tears ended for the Indians and is in the foothills of the Ozarks. I am watching the physical changes around us. We just had a 5.6 earthquake just west of here. If we are in Revelation, then there are supposed to be major earthquakes like never before. Should we choose land with a higher elevation, more near the mountains? I'm listening to Mother Mary say, get ready, which I am sure she means spiritually. I am just trying to do my best for my family. I am not sure if she is saying to make physical preparations as well as spiritual changes. God will not take us one second before or after he is ready for us. I don't want him to think I'm mocking his will. Please, I need some direction to follow this path. Well, you could sit there and say that to make physical changes, there is just speaking as he asked the question, do do we just make spiritual changes? You can't make any spiritual changes without the physical environment being changed. If you're a sinner, you've been in sin, and you've been doing things that you shouldn't be doing, you can make physical surroundings and physical changes that, that lead you toward those sins. Uh, yes, it's all in the heart in the end, but <clears throat> those, those things and the way we do things and what's in the culture have to go away because they're under judgment, as I was saying earlier. And so, are they does mean physical changes. Change the surrounding of your house. When you walk in your house or a neighbor walks in your house, does it say, I'm a Christian that lives here? Or will it say, oh, with the magazines and everything that lays there and, and, and the TV blaring all the time and your kids sitting on the video? And Is that going to sit there and say, oh, they're just like everybody else? But if it's a TV-free home, there's pictures on the walls, there's statues, you change what you are. You are what, what you wear. You can tell a lot by a person with the car that they have. Now, a lot of them are mundane now, but when somebody's got a swanky car or Maserati, it tells you something what they think. One thing you know, they got money. And they can be spiritual. They can be holy people. But it's still a reflection of, of what you are. I don't care if I had a billion dollars, I'd never buy Maserati. I'm not condemning anybody that does. I'm just saying there's a reflection of what, 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 what's in your heart. And so there's physical changes. When the hurricane's coming, why do people put 
board pieces of plywood battening up the windows because you need to be ready. If something's under judgment, what do you do? You react to that judgment. So yes, you need to be spiritual ready. And yes, our lady's talking about physical ready. We don't have weddings where people walk real slow down the aisles and do this formal thing and try to make it more mystique. Because God requires that. He don't need that. Man needs that. What we do and how we behave in our, our surroundings has an effect on what we are. And we see as a culture what we are. We see a degraded society. The newspapers, television, all these things have dictated Hollywood. And people follow that. And the devil acts through these things. There's a lady who says there are many things that are evil. We think, oh, everything God made is good, but there's derivatives that man's mixed, changed, altered, that put them in God's camp, or rather put them in Satan's camp that wasn't God's. And so, yes, physical changes are necessary. The purpose of buying land and what they're saying contradicts his thoughts that says, I don't think, you know, Our Lady is talking about physical changes. Well, why are you moving? And I don't subscribe that we can say and give an answer about, well, go to highland, go to lowland, go to this land. Can you say that? You have to pray to find that answer. God will show you that if you really pray from the heart and say, lead me. The whole thing about earthquakes is a misnomer. The Bible does say, toward the end, there'll be worth earthquakes, wars, rumors of wars, many things happening. But earthquakes are better reported today. There's not anymore. In fact, they're in decline. We have less earthquakes. Okay, So if you read that and you see that we're having less earthquakes, then you say, okay, well, I can relax. No, because what happens when there's no earthquakes? More tension builds up in the earth. Wouldn't you expect that before earthquakes do increase and do come, that this relief of pressure, and that's all an earthquake is, is the continental plates come on one underneath another in release of tension and enormous, enormous stress. In Yellowstone Park, there's a the the volcano built up there has so much so many millions of tons of earth and the pressure is building so much that it's gonna take an enormous amount of an explosion to remove that. Which some say, if you read the studies on it, could darken the whole country or destroy the whole country of the United States. Depending on how long it keeps building. So that tension building up in the earth, if it's quieting down, is a sign in itself. I don't think we have to worry about it. I believe, as I wrote in 30 Years of Apparitions, that our ladies come to tear this system down to give us a, a century of peace. But we're still at the throes of it, and that's what the message is about. That's what our ladies said, March 24th, or 21st. Therefore, I call you to accept my messages that it might go well for you. Our lady also said, March 18th, 1986, on this message, which I give to you today, I desire to reflect a long time. Hear my supplications, which I direct to you. Accept my messages that you might be accepted. Decide, my children, it is a time of decision. So we're in this period of decision. And God's, uh, through Our Lady, is going to tear down the Tower of Babel, this technological world that's building up now, so that we can have, in the future, us who broke this through the messages and tore down the Babel that exists, 
can be a witness to those who will live underneath the, the final Antichrist. There's several Antichrists now. We've got an Antichrist system. And so being ready is part of the path that we need to be on. And what do you lose? You live better. You eat better. You're more hopeful. you got some destiny over your future. And by doing so, you can be closer to God. This comes from a dear friend um, in New York. She writes to us and says, To my dear friends at Caritas, I also wanted to give you a quick be-ready reflection. After the recent hurricane that hit the Northeast, I told my husband that I was ready to invest in a generator. He was quick to get one and get it all ready. You might have heard that we got a freak snowstorm last week. Before the snowstorm hit, I made sure I had a full tank of gas did all the wash and got a few things from the store, even though I am already stocked up on food, batteries, and other essentials. When the storm hit, and it was scary, sounded like a war with all the tree branches cracking and falling due to the weight of the snow with the leaves still on the trees. We were ready. We were without electricity for five days, but it did not matter. The generator kept the heat and refrigerator going. We had neighbors over for dinner. We were able to help them keep some of their electricity going with our generator by running lines across the street. Cleanup was even a group effort. However, when I came back to work, many were talking about not having heat, water, and many basics. People had to go to hotels, wait on long lines to get gas, try to go to laundromats to get wash done. I had to write since I always listen to Radio Wave and am trying to get more and more ready. I also saw firsthand how unprepared many are. A funny side note, as you know, my husband is not ready to pick up and move away from our New York home. We live about 20 miles outside of New York City, not a place I want to be when the struggles come. However, I am doing my part to get ready for when he says, let's go. I have purchased Miraculous Metal Medjugorje one-ounce rounds, and I recently purchased seeds. There is a website that sells one year's worth of all kinds of seeds for planting an acre of land. I am not a farmer yet, but might be someday. The rounds will help me purchase a small farm, and I will have the seeds to plant it. Until then, all my closets are full of soup, pasta, rice, oatmeal, tuna, flour, sugar. I am listening to you. I love you all so much. You are in my prayers daily. All you have to do is look at the squirrels right now for their... Places where winter hasn't hit. They're scrambling. They're all over the place. I was watching yesterday. The squirrels, uh, of course, today's Monday, this Monday morning early, and it was Sunday, so I had time to sit, watch them. But they're, they're, they're doing everything they can. It's just in nature. It's built in. The man doesn't sit there and like, act like he's in the garden of Eden. Oh, let's eat what do we want to eat today. Grapefruit or, or here's some berries over here. There's nuts over there and just throw it together. And I've been told there's one place in Hawaii that you don't have to do anything. That there's hot springs. You pull a lobster out of the water. You put a hot spring. There's herbs there. You can eat like that. One of the few places on earth. But we don't all live in the Garden of Eden. And so there is preparation. And you don't wait till well, I'll just stay one day ahead. It's ludicrous for man to, to depend. Most The average family has three to five days worth of groceries at their house. This is insane. This is insane in our culture, as this letter just showed. It's not about hoarding. It's about what man's always done. He spent his 
harvest season, his growing season, his spring planting season, in preparation for the season that comes when those things can't be gotten. And we falsely put our hope in this man's system, very integrated, that when it collapses, how are you going to be eaten? Okay, it's not about saving yourself. It's about living a better, holier way, agrarian way, not even making people farmers in a grand way of life. I never considered the people in Medjugorje farmers. Yet they had an acre or two acres of land. It was amazing that they could have their milk from the one dairy cow, which they carried on a chain out to where grass was because they didn't have enough grass. That you can do on the side of the highway. They went out and did this. They made their cheeses every day. They made the bread every day. They had the prosciutto in our barn, little bitty shack barn out there beside the house. They had their two hogs. They were, I couldn't believe that you could be self-sustained on just a couple acres of land. You can. And so it's an agrarian way of life we're headed to. Even if you're a doctor, even if you're an engineer, you might be doing those things to some degree in some ways, however the culture turns out to be. But we're going to be closer to the soil. Nobody's close to the soil, and that's very, very deadly, very dangerous. And that's why what was written there is I don't want to be anywhere close to New York. And if the first letter before this one was talking about where should I move to the high mountains of where, the biggest thing, what people are sensing, is to get away from the cities. You won't be able to feed them. We won't be able to feed people here. So it's just reason, holy reason. Frank, I know you've been waiting, and we're toward the end of the show. Yeah, well, it made me think of the, the reading yesterday that said, uh, you know, talking about the second coming, it'll be like a thief in the night. But it says, you know, <clears throat> you are not in the darkness. You're in the light. And because of Our Lady's message, you know, we definitely, uh, you know, see the, the signs of the times. But a, a friend had called me and said, it's just amazing he listens to Radio Wave and Medjinomics. And he said, it's amazing how in front of Medjugorje will start talking about what Our Lady's going to say next month. And he, he it just follows this, and he says he's a visionary. You know, he doesn't, you know, see Our Lady daily, but he said, you know, don't you think that we can be like visionaries by following Our Lady's message? And I've seen that before and opening uh, boards from heaven every day, and Our Lady will speak to you directly. It's almost like having your own apparition. But uh, I just wanted to mention that because he had called and uh, the readings yesterday said, you know, we're not in darkness, you know, and uh, that's what we're doing. That's why we're seeing there is a need to prepare for the things that are, you know, coming in our future. Well, it's in our nature when you when you see something happening or you, you see a traffic slowing down and you're just about ready to pass the exit that you know you can bypass it, you get off. You know, it's part of our thought process to avoid this or do that. And and while that may not be created injuring you or being harmful to you, it, it is making you slower getting to work. Getting to where you need to be, you need to look at for these obstacles on the roadway of life and be making decisions according to that. How will you feed your children? How will you take care of your wife? How will you provide for your family? And look at the signs of the times. It's our lady who said several times, and it didn't start to the to the late 90s. All those 20 years before or so of apparitions, our lady never said that. Suddenly she starts coming on the scene and says, look at the signs of the times. Look around you, my children. You know, she, it's there. It's all there. If you pray, 
If you don't pray to comprehend the message, you won't see it, you won't recognize it, you won't understand it. And so, Frank, I know the this show is really about decisions you can make, and there's decisions to make for your future. The one decision that can be made today, because if you're going to be looking for land, you're going to try to get your little acre, two acres, ten acres, 50 acres, somebody who's just here that has a little 50 acre pot. They've been coming here for years. He's got a barn. He showed me pictures. Beautiful pasture he's planted. He's putting fences up now. They built a house. And they're so excited. There's so much hope in him. He came down here to work with us for three or four days. And and it's beautiful looking at his little place. And well, little is 50 acres. And so it, they bought it for the family. They've had it. A lot of people have family farmland. They don't want to deal with it. And they don't think they will ever want to do it because they're looking at the city where they work. Start thinking unconventional. Think about what will I need if if a snowstorm hits me and a, a freak snowstorm hits like this other letter I talked about today. You know, they made the decision that the neighbors didn't. And they were having to run a cord, electrical cord across the street to give their neighbors some some heat in the house. And so, yes, we'll have to help people to the capacity we can. But at the same time, they were thoughtful. They're reflecting and they're thinking. And all these things, too, are prophetic steps of what will happen in the future and what kind of culture. And if it doesn't, then you're ready for the snowstorm. And you're living better. So you you can't lose. It's only win-win. But the one step you can take now, because that's an evolution of, of steps to get this by the land, by the 50 acres, our friend was just here. All these things... He's been working on this for several years. But you can instantly do today is take what you have and put it in the miraculous metal, measure silver, one-ounce pieces for the purpose of saving, preserving, till you find that place a month from now or a year from now. You can cash it back out. Don't keep it in the dollars. And, of course, our side of it is to get the miraculous metal out there. Have we, got, have we, got, have we reached yet a million six rounds? Frank? Yeah, I would say. So we got a million six rounds out there. The, 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 and that's multiple uh, conversions that can happen even from that number because it's, it's transmitted and dispersed throughout the culture and throughout people in the future. They're going to be held a miraculous metal magic around. So seek first God's kingdom. Let's bring conversion through what you have. Put that in there. Instead of trading dollars for something else or a tractor or land, you're going to be given silver. And you might have to go that day and sell the silver someplace, and you can do that. That's not a hard thing to do because silver silver. And then you take it and then go buy the cash with the cash to the, the land or build the house or whatever you're going to do. So, Frank, they need to get a hold of you about this. How do they contact you? Yeah, you can call us toll-free. Our uh, phone number is 877-936-7686. You can also contact us online at Global Silver Investors at yahoo.com and we have a website with general information and that's uh, at globalsilverinvestors.com and look at this show that this is a continuation when you call Frank the show doesn't end right here what we have to say doesn't end right here when you call Frank it's a continuation of all those questions you'd like to ask well we don't have the ability to be there for this we do it in a concise I try to keep it down to 30 minutes we're over our limit right now but you can continue this if you have any questions, any thoughts. You call Frank. Uh, there's people of all walks of life, from rich to the poorest, calling. The bankers in the boardrooms are calling. And it's, it, we come from an angle that nobody else is because the culture doesn't come from the angle of the messages. 
This is built on the messages. We were able to discover this and unlock the keys of the messages about these secrets. The mysteries of the scriptures. How God wants us to live. The mysteries of the future. We're not so doom and gloom about the future. We're hopeful Christians. And he says, be joyful carriers of my peace. When you study her messages, you look at that, you unlock these. This is what you'll see. So until next time, and we ask that you be praying this week for these talks in France for Great Harvest Conversion. I've talked many times in France. We've seen beautiful things happen there, and they need it at this moment. So we love you. We wish you, Our Lady, good day. The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional.